0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Thursday, the 1st of October, 2009. It seems that recently, in Second Amendment culture or gun culture, the question that has been asked quite a bit is, what can we do that is different? What are some new things that can help secure our Second Amendment rights? And to address this issue, we have to remember the expression everything old is new again. To start, let's look at a few things. First, let's take a look at the current buying trends of firearms and ammunition. Second, let's take a look at contacting our representatives. And lastly, let's also look at making social contacts with people who, on the surface at least, would appear not to be like you or not to be like me. And these are all things that I've spoken about on a previous shows. Everything old is new again. Has the buying in mass of firearms really sent a message to anyone? And the answer to that is yes. Lots of people have taken notice of the increase in purchasing. But we as gun owners have also gotten a message, and unfortunately that message may be misread or misinterpreted. And some of us think that the government now understands that to do something like an assault weapons ban would be career suicide, and an assault weapons ban or new restrictions are just not going to happen. But let's remember what Obama said. Now, he had gone on national television a while back and said to people who were dumping tons of money into the economy, and this is going to be paraphrasing what he said, but he stated that people don't need to stock up and that they had nothing to fear from him so that they should stop buying guns and ammo. And I wish I could find that soundbite, but I couldn't find it anywhere. However, the things that I remember about watching him uh, about watching when he was doing the uh, the statement that he made is he had kind of a look of confusion and a little bit of frustration and you could tell he was thinking things like man i can't believe this is happening and i guess the majority of the people really do want to own and carry firearms and they don't want more restrictions and i also got the vibe from him of kind of a you know, I, I just can't believe this. Don't people understand how misguided and, and wrong they are on this?
1: I,
2: I just want to be absolutely clear, all right? So I don't want any misunderstanding when, when you all go home and you're talking to your buddies and they say, ah, oh, he wants to take my gun away. You've heard it here. I'm on television, so everybody knows it. I believe in the Second Amendment. I believe in people's lawful right to bear arms. I will not take your shotgun away. I will not take your rifle away. I won't take your handgun away. Just because you have an individual right does not mean that the state or local government can't constrain the exercise of that right.
3: Senator Dianne Feinstein of California was the author and champion of the assault weapons ban in 1994. Senator Feinstein wants to reinstate the assault weapons ban. And what about President Obama? His website says he wants to make the expired federal assault weapons ban permanent.
1: There's some sense that the president has so many crisis issues on his plate right now um, that the idea of bringing up guns, which is considered part of the culture wars, would be such a diversion. I agree with you. I wouldn't bring it up now. So you're going to hold off. That's correct. And, you, and I'll you pick the time and the place, no question about that.
0: If you go on YouTube and pull up increased gun sales since Obama or some type of search like that, you'll find quite a number of segments from the media trying to figure out why people are buying in mass. What I found, and I'll play here in a second, was a report from CNN, and this was dated back in April of 2009. And they at least tried to dig a little deeper and tried to ask some questions of the current administration's uh, inconsistent position. And from that standpoint, they did a decent job. Uh, They chose a couple of guys that uh, presented well. One was an attorney and the other one was a registered nurse.
1: New indications today that Americans are concerned the Obama administration will curtail their Second Amendment rights to keep and bear arms. According to the FBI, background checks required for gun purchases are up 27% this year, and that's nearly 4 million background checks so far in 2009. Well, those FBI statistics are only part of the picture. Gun shop owners around the country are also reporting a surge in gun sales. And as Sean Caleb's reports, some gun owners are concerned the Obama administration will limit Second Amendment rights.
2: This is Tyler, Texas, one of those places all over America where a kind of quiet call to arms is getting louder and louder. Just ask attorney Sean Healy and Jimmy Moore, who's a nurse. Who thinks President Obama wants gun
3: control, wants to restrict the kinds of guns you can get? if you look at what he said in the past and look at his actions, that if he and the people in control of Congress right now could have what they want, they would heavily restrict or eliminate guns from this country. He voted for a, 500 in, a 500% increase in the tax on guns and ammunition, doubling basically the cost of my hobby and my passion.
2: So here in Tyler and other parts of the country, there's been a run on ammunition. One man ran into a Walmart and said, sell me all the ammo you have. Guns, they're also flying off shelves. Those highly prized semi-automatic rifles are becoming more and more expensive. So this is $2,200. Why is it so expensive? Well, right
3: now, they're just about impossible to find. Which is hard to get. Everybody kind of got scared. The market got depleted.
2: A run on guns because of President Barack Obama. But since he has been president, he has said, quoting here, "I will not take away your guns." It couldn't be more clear. But listen to his Secretary of State. She sounds as though she has a different message. This is what she said in Mexico when asked why the administration isn't fighting the sale of assault weapons.
1: I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat it. It's a very heavy lift. I think that's a mistake. I think these assault weapons, these military-style weapons, don't belong on anyone's street.
3: It is her intent to see gun legislation pass. It's a little bit ridiculous to blame Americans for the fact that people in foreign countries are trying to ship illegal drugs into our country and they're committing violence against each other. Back in the gun store, why would someone own
2: a semi-automatic weapon like this? I mean, is saying it's my right, is that enough? Yeah, I believe it is. Yes, I believe it is. It's what sets us apart. Remember Jimmy Moore? He owns an AR-15. I'm not a freak. I'm a registered nurse. I'm a responsible individual. I'm a law-abiding citizen. I've been one my entire life. A nurse, an attorney, not the usual portrait of Second Amendment diehards. And the man who owns the Lock and Load gun shop, he's a cardiologist who moved here from New York. are you kind of profiting on this fear right now uh... i i think we are Um, I, i again i don't know how rational it is good afternoon lock and load in fact it may not be rational at all it might even be paranoid but one thing is certain many gun owners believe this president is somehow out to curb their rights and they're stocking up just in case
1: Sean, what is really driving this increase in sales
2: well I think to large part, people are pointing to the nRA. If you look on their website and to mailings uh, to its members, uh, they talk about this issue, and we know that the Sale of guns has gone up dramatically since Barack Obama was elected. Well, NRA's membership has gone up significantly as well. And what we're hearing from gun enthusiasts, members of gun clubs, is they can get information from the NRA, they can't get from the quote mainstream media. Like we've heard a lot about the weapons used in Mexico to fuel the drug trade there. The fact that 90% could be traced back to the United States. Well, one report says that 90% of the guns can be traced back, those uh, that have been licensed. So and they say it's a very, very small percentage of the weapons used uh, in the illegal drug trade down there.
1: That's a fascinating story. Thank you very much. Sean Calebs.
0: Now, most of the time, when they do have an average Joe from the pro-gun side, it's a guy with three teeth, no shirt, he's wearing a Confederate ball cap, He's sitting in the back of his primer-spotted 1978 Ford pickup, and he's holding a beer while in the background a mongrel three-legged dog savages one of his 13 kids. And the guy on the anti-gun side is a Harvard Law professor in a suit and tie, who's very well-spoken, and he will be given the last word. Now what I found interesting about the report was that at the end of the segment, the female anchor asked a reporter, what's the real reason for this? And and this is important because look at what they're really doing. They just did a story explaining that people are afraid that new gun restrictions will be put into place and that those restrictions will lead to bans of current legal firearms, Uh, that there appears to be some conflicting statements from the current administration, and that is why the people have been buying. So that's just what they reported. But his response to her question is that It's the NRA that's the cause of all this. The NRA is whipping up the country. So, in other words, nobody out there is capable of making up their own minds, but instead we're all some type of voodoo zombies and we're under the direct control of the NRA, and we've been given the command to sally forth and just buy like mad. So, even though they did ask some questions and bring up some inconsistencies from the administration, the last impression that they leave you with is that most people would not be out there buying guns and ammo if the NRA was not misleading people and blowing things out of proportion. Earlier I spoke about some pro-gun people getting the wrong message. And it's partly because we didn't see the massive bans and we didn't see new legislation. And so many people believe that those things, they're not going to happen. They're not going to happen now. They're not going to happen in the future. And I'm starting to see an attitude of, well, for now, I can breathe a sigh of relief and go back to my normal life. Or things like they feel that, well, I have the guns, the kind of guns that I wanted to get. And I've also got 50,000 rounds of ammunition for those guns. So let the government pass all the laws they want. Let them tax ammo to the point where it will cost 10 times the current rate. I'm good. It's not going to affect me. I don't have to worry anymore. And I can let the whole thing go. And there's really not a need for me to contact my reps.
1: And you, and you- pick the time and the place. No question about that. I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat it. It's a very heavy lift. I think that's a mistake. I think these assault weapons, these military-style weapons, don't belong on anyone's street.
3: An Australian law enforcement officer called their gun registration, quote, an elaborate system of arithmetic with no tangible aim. They also called its crime control use a fallacy. New Zealand police call their gun registration system useless, Canadian registration has cost 1600% more than originally projected, and a top Canadian cop said it does nothing to take one illegal gun off the street. And in Germany, some people estimate that upwards of 80% of all guns there are still not registered. So why do some senators, and some presidents for that matter, think that it will work in America? Arm yourself with facts to strip the gun control industry bare. Visit gunfacts.info and get your free copy of Gun Facts. Called Indispensable by Cam Edwards of NRA News, Gun Facts is your rapid reference guide to debunking gun control myths and shaming politicians into obedience. www.gunfacts.info
0: Most people still believe that contacting their representatives is futile, and the main reason why they believe that is because they've not done it. So let me repeat that. Most people still believe that contacting their representatives is futile, and the main reason why they believe that is because they have not done it. Ever. And the sad part is is that most likely they never will. But let's take a look at how those representatives have reacted to town hall meetings on health care. People are, no pun intended, they're up in arms. And the liberal mainstream media has tried to spin this, and we see that the politicians have also tried to spin it by saying, oh, it's just partisan, and uh, the people are, in their words, an unruly mob. And that the people who oppose this, well, they're just against Obama, and or they're against the Democratic Party, or they are at worst, they're racist. It's not the fact that they don't just like Obama. It's the fact that they can't stand that a black man is in the White House. And the fact is that what the people want, not what Democrats or Republicans want, but what the people want are answers. And they and we want answers that are free of partisan politics and rhetoric. And this is, has panicked the politicians because most of them have not seen things like this before and they don't know how to deal with it. So what does healthcare have to do with strengthening and securing the Second Amendment and our gun rights? Well, healthcare really has nothing to do with it, but the politicians reaction to public outcry does. And we see that when we contact them in mass and when we contact them frequently that they sit up and they take notice. Right now is when we really need to hammer these guys. Right now the Democrats are in power and the Republicans are the underdog. There are some pro-gun Democrats and some anti-gun Republicans, but if you look at the leadership, you see in the Democratic side many, many anti-gun people. And those people, they don't want to take your guns away. What they ultimately want is to take away your and my ability to even possess or carry any firearm. So they're going to come on and say, well, we're not going to take anything away. But what they want to do is they want to be able to ban things so that once you die or pass on, that firearm has to be turned in. And it's not going to be just rifles that you know scare them because of the way they look, but all firearms. They don't want anyone to have them, uh, except for the police and the military, ultimately because they control those agencies, they have more control of those agencies because they hold the purse strings.
2: Just because you have an individual right does not mean that the state or local government can't constrain the exercise of that right.
1: And you you pick the time and the place, no question about that. I think these assault weapons these military style weapons don't belong on anyone's street
0: hey guys i'm on my way to get my car back that i loaned to alex haddix of the practical defense podcast and i picked up this new portable recording software so i thought i'd give it a try oh there's alex right up ahead well hey buddy what's ooh? boy you don't look too good looks like you took a pretty bad beat down can you tell me who did it
2: members of the gun rights radio network Shelton, with Masada Youb, Gail Pepin, John and Terry Strayer, and the rest of the per crew, with Daniel Shaw and Justin Olsen.
0: Yeah, those guys can be pretty bad news. Um, How come they beat you up?
2: After a fender bender with your car.
0: My car? Oh, man. Hey, you, uh, you really don't look too good. Let's, uh, tell me something. How many fingers am I holding up? What's the number? D-E-F Hmm, well, okay Uh, Let's try this Can you spell your name for me? Number 11 Alright, alright Let's try this You said Eric Shelton was there What else do you remember?
3: He had a gun The gun was huge The gun was
0: black Okay, okay, buddy Take it easy can you tell me a little bit more about Eric Shelton? What did he look like? What do you remember?
2: Tattoos and deformities.
0: Okay, good, good. Anything else you remember, anything at all?
2: Mutton chop sideburns, you know, thing like that.
0: Okay, buddy, I think that's enough for now. Let's go ahead and get you patched up. And I tell you what, though, we'll have our revenge. I'm going to tell everybody I know to listen to your podcast, Practical Defense, but not to their shows. On the last point, that of making social contacts, I'll be kind of brief, relatively so I guess. I hear all the time, we need new people in the movement in order to protect the Second Amendment and strengthen gun rights we need to get more of A, B, or C involved in shooting and gun ownership. But let's think about that for a minute. Name any group, and it, and it's not going to matter what group that is, I guess with the possible exception of the Brady's, but name any group and you'll find gun owners in those groups. You'll find people who shoot and who enjoy their guns and they feel that they have a right to have firearms. So it's not necessarily a matter of introducing firearms to those groups where I feel that as a movement we have fallen short is in making groups A, B, and C feel truly welcome and it can't just be lip service. You can't look at group A and think well I guess it's good that they're here but I don't want them to sit next to me. You have to look beyond the outward appearance or the differences in philosophy or differences in religion or other political views and we need to see them as people and not just because that's what the anti-gun people have done, because it's the right thing to do as human beings. Now the anti-gunners have said, and here's the difference, and they mean it when they say it. They say, you can differ from me on every other issue and viewpoint, but we have some common ground and on this common ground we can stand together and we'll make progress. So, I'm glad you're with us, and you're not only welcome here, but you really are a part of us, and you do belong here. Now, I don't see that we do that as a movement. What I've seen is that unless you fit into very narrow confines, that you're not really wanted. Until that fundamental attitude changes, It will be the same old thing. And while it may not be a struggle to get different people initially to come into the movement, it will always be a struggle to keep those different people in the movement. United we stand, divided we fall. It's, It's not a hard concept to understand. Now, the main purpose of this show is not to get someone to think or believe exactly what i do but it is to get people to question things and to think things through and to know why you believe what you believe if someone asks you why don't you like such and such it's never an acceptable answer to say i don't know i just don't like it if someone asks you why do you believe x y and z Again, it's never acceptable to say, I don't know, I just do. You need to know the reasons why you do or don't like something. You need to know why you believe in the things that you do. Because once you know those reasons, you can look at them to see if they are logical and valid, or if it is an emotional response, or... Are you just going along with the crowd? And you can believe whatever you want to believe, but make sure that you understand and know why you believe those things and be willing to put those beliefs under the microscope and really take a look at them and see if they'll hold up. Now, I think if we will do that, we'll find it much easier to really and truly accept and welcome people who are pro-gun, but are maybe at the opposite political spectrum on other issues. If we were to look at some of my political views, I'm very conservative in some things and extremely liberal in others. I'm not at all for universal health care, but I wouldn't have a problem sitting next to someone who is, as long as they're pro-gun. I have no problem with gay marriage. And I wouldn't care if two gay dudes were sitting at the same table as me at a Friends of the NRA dinner. But there's a lot of people in the movement who would. Are you, are you one of them? I would welcome someone who thinks that Obama is great on everything except the gun issue. And that's that's the real problem because you have people who don't think along or fit into quote-unquote strict conservative lines for lack of a better descriptive but they are pro-gun and they feel that there really is no place for them in the gun culture and that has to change if, if we want to have a strong second amendment because ultimately the Constitution and the amendments they protect everyone Or it's worthless. Well, I kind of got up on a little soapbox there, so I'll jump down from now. And I guess my final point is, and what what I want to say is that the thing that we need to do that's different is we need to stop talking about doing something different and we actually need to start doing something different. And I think the first thing that we need to do that is different Is that we as a movement need to look inward and we gotta do a gut check. And we, if needed, if we find that it's necessary, we need to reset those attitudes and those priorities.
2: Just because you have an individual right does not mean that the state or local government can't constrain the exercise of that right.
1: And you you pick the time and the place, no question about that. I think these assault weapons, these military-style weapons, don't belong on anyone's street.
0: Well, that's going to wrap up the show for today. If you'd like to contact me, feel free to either shoot me an email or an mp3 at firearmscafe at gmail.com, or you can go over to our forums and leave me a comment there under the Firearms Cafe section. Oh yeah, and before I forget, Carl from the Gun Dudes wanted me to send out this very special message to all you ladies.
3: Fear not, my lady. Captain Dash Superstud is here with his small tool. Initiating shutdown sequence.
1: Oh,